Yo, 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 guys, welcome to a brand new episode of Inti and Chopper's podcast. I'm your host, Inti, together with my co-host, Chopper. Yo, today we have a very special friend, actually a younger brother and an entrepreneur, a travel enthusiast, a guy who I've literally grown up, I've seen him grown up while I was growing up with him as well, you know, a good friend as well. Uh, we have none other than AJ with us. Clap, I mean, I, I told you this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, always clap. Hello, Baba, everyone. How, it's AJ here. You know, like I've, uh, and I know that you like being uh, uh, called AJ, but uh, would you mind telling us your full name so that you know they know and. Abdurrahman Chama. Exactly, exactly. And uh, how long has it been? Do you even remember the first time we met, fam? Nah, not the first time we met, but it must have been 11 something years now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, he, uh, he's he's very he's he's very close to us because uh, he's a brother to our very good friend, uh the elusive one, the one who has made the most number of appearances on this show. <laughs> uh that's why that's why it's uh, he's a younger brother to us and uh, I, I, like whenever Whenever we met you, like we could not help but uh, see your enthusiasm with everything that you're doing. Especially at that time, it was mostly about traveling and picking up new things and trying out new things. Uh, your brother is quite the opposite. <laughs> how t- how the fuck In did more you get ways into than one? How did you uh, get into this fam? All or this this want of always chasing something trying out something new or it could be traveling it could be with your entrepreneurial choices it could be your studies how did you get into that was it due to family or how how did you get into all this no no definitely not due to family or per se i mean the idea of traveling is not alien to the family you know my parents used to travel a lot um but no personally i don't know but i remember when i was maybe 10 11 something like that i um i think we had internet at home and you know i figured out how that shit works and i went online and i discovered these travel websites so i'd like just log on there and book like fake flights to all of these different places that i'd you know that never go through basically just get the itinerary out and then i'd be like oh my god you know i could be doing this i could be traveling and i was like 10 years old and i think that interest also came from the fact that we grew up with um like in the living room there was this gigantic um world atlas and uh, sometimes you know when i'd hang out with my dad he'd just m- basically make us go through all the countries and try and figure out you know what is what so for the longest time i did not know the difference between russia and the ussr because people would just use it um, interchangeably but anyway, that's how it started, I think. And then, um, you know, and then I realized I, I, I could do that. I mean, <laughs> I uh, could travel. So why the hell not? It's crazy. It's crazy that you you said that you actually used to sit in front of the PC and book flights. Fake flights all Fake the time, flights? man. You have no idea. <laughs> and I've been to like wow. most of those places now, um, except wow. uh, Australia. I think that's wow. the only place. Wow. Um, so which which crazy countries have you been to or which places do you consider that was the most sort of like the ones that surprised you the most or like most obscure obscure so country you would say visiting or living uh, uh, both where, where have you lived where have I lived I've lived in uh, well, obviously here yeah and Sweden. Uh, Pakistan. Pakistan I've lived in Germany, Germany. China China I've lived in Djibouti 
Djibouti. And I've also lived in Chile. Chile? Shit, yeah. That's so, a lot. It's a bunch of different continents. Yeah. yeah. And uh, whew, the it's weirdest place or the most interesting place yeah. I visited, I think, would probably be Cuba. Cuba. Yeah. Oh, listen, listen. Now, now you just you just went past <laughs> a lot of countries, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the one that stuck to my head was stuck automatically. Cuba is like, okay, I understand Cuba. But the craziest one, you lived in China. What prompted not, you to what prompted you to live in China? Uh, it was my exchange semester at uni. I knew I wanted to go outside Europe, like that was priority number one. And then I applied for a bunch of universities in the US and I applied, no, I applied for a lot in Australia and my friend got one of those spots, I didn't. And China was like the last one on my list. Uh -huh. But also because some for some reason, my mom thought it was a good idea to be studying and living in China. Yeah. She was encouraging that. So I put that in as my last um, choice. Is it because like China is like an up and coming, you know, economic power? Or it is the economic uh, power. No, it is. And also, I, I think she'd probably heard like um, other people who'd gone to study there um, for like medical school and stuff. She, I don't know. She just had the idea that it's a good uh, place. But that's not why I chose it. I mean, no. um, it, it was just that, you know, she put that idea in my head and I'm like, why the hell not? You know, but, Let's you know, and how how was it how was it for lack of a better word how was it for a black man to be in china <laughs> 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 what, did you get the stares oh hell yeah did people call i mean you? the thing is china is like people stare at you in a lot of different places you know that happens a lot in europe as well if you go to say some parts of eastern europe yeah, or some eastern village europe, somewhere yeah. oh, i got stories about that too but no yeah. um in in china they're very very in your face about that they're very blatant so you, you'd be walking down the street and somebody would just walk up to you won't even say hello just like stand in front of you, snap a photo of your face. Um, sometimes, you know, you'd be at some dark place um, somewhere uh, where it's like, you know, just complete darkness around. And then they come with a fucking flash, put it in front of your face and snap a pic. And you're like, what if I fucking went blind? You know, like <laughs> people don't give a shit everywhere you go. People stare at you. And the thing is, I was living in Shanghai and they have a lot of Chinese tourists in that city as well. You know, people from the inlands or oh, yeah. other places. They're the ones because I don't think um, what, what are they called Shanghaiites? I'm not sure what they're called. Anyway, people from Shanghai. I don't think they're um, the ones who stare at you. But it has some um, advantages as well, being a black guy or just generally foreign. Because, um, for example, you can go to a lot of clubs and they don't charge you money to go in. What? And yeah, bro. Listen, they give you like fucking table service and they give you free <laughs> bottles and stuff. Um, what are you talking about? If you're like if you're a collection of foreigners, yeah. that's exactly what happens every time. Um, or you can just be like one foreigner or two. No, usually it's the group effect that gets you stuff. So yeah. I had a lot of friends in school. Is, is it because they know that this guy is going to bring in uh, quite a lot of other people? Cause he's yeah, like locals. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically. No, yeah. but that, that's like the that's you know, business model. Dude, they pay foreigners to like go to, um, you know, for example, when, they, when they're showing houses, like open houses. Yeah, yeah. They pay foreigners just to like show up and pretend like they're interested in the house. Because <laughs> really? um, it drives the up the value of the neighborhood. Oh wow! So like, oh, there's a white or a black guy there. How, how much? How much <laughs> of the language did you pick up from? <laughs> Not a lot, man. I I went to Mandarin classes. Um, but I quit three weeks in because a we were not making any progress. Like we were stuck on tones for three weeks. Oh, like yeah. I had to say ma ma <laughs> ma 
Ma, <laughs> it's like I can't do this, you know. Oh my! And dude. also, I was only gonna live there for six months, and I obviously knew that I can't pick up Mandarin in six months because you gotta memorize stuff. And and you know, like Chinese cuisine is just is just our favorite. I don't know about other people. I speak for myself. No, it, was, I, it was awesome, man. I, I love it. Imagine being there. Yeah. Oh my! The how t- was like, it was the like food. cheap as hell. So like we 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 lived in um, this. Um, uh, international student dorm so we were like we we're not allowed to live with the Chinese students on campus so how come uh, I don't know they don't want us putting ideas in their heads I, I really have no idea and the thing is it's not like we're wow, fucked there's just a wall between us we're like everybody lives on the same side of campus it's just there's like but double how weird wall is that? around the foreigners how weird imagine imagine exchange students come to Sweden and you're not allowed to live with the Swedes <laughs> they'll be like yeah. fuck but, but, but it's more, China I mean. but China is more isolated from other your China is a huge country. But what's the point of the exchange? Yeah, but we were in Shanghai be... as well. Though. Oh, okay. So that's. Yeah. I mean, they had like a fucking Nordic center on campus. Oh wow! Um, imagine that, you know. Um, well, but I, 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 I don't want to. I really don't want to come. But I think it defeats the purpose of the exchange if you're not allowed to. No, no, you're allowed to mingle with them. It was just that the residence was separate. We yeah, went but, to school uh, with you're them. Talking, and you're, talking, you're talking about the mingle in the university. I, I mean, mean, you could, you could, like, think, for example, in the food halls. I think you make your friends off campus. I think. I think that's where you make most of your friends off campus um, when you're in the dorm. Dorm mates are like dorm mates. Come I mean, you, you 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 meet people um, out in town sometimes. The thing is, um, usually you have to go to the westernized places in Shanghai in order to find uh, locals who also speak English. Oh, okay. um, otherwise, if you go to some local place, you can't talk to anybody. And the thing is, I mean, I, I couldn't speak Mandarin, right? But a lot of people uh, in my friend circle when I was living in Shanghai, there were foreigners, but a lot of them spoke like fluent Mandarin. Um, and then we studying for years um, in China. So like, it was not a problem. It's just, you know, I myself had some trouble communicating with them because, and also, I, you know, you know me, I, I like talking a lot and I get frustrated by cancer. Like, you know, if, if it takes you 10 minutes to say, hey, how's it going? You're like, fuck that <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to ignore it, you know? Oh, man. Uh, moving swiftly from China. Now we talk about uh, experiences in uh, Cuba. How was How was Cuba? Ah, man, I swear to God, it feels like a snapshot in time from 50 years ago. Oh, um, man. One of the, I mean, obviously, you know, you'd heard about it. We we, yeah, we had, yeah. a, I, my introduction to Cuba was history classes yeah. and specifically communism and the revolution. Uh, Fidel and Castro like, and exactly. all that shit, yeah. So I'm like very well versed in the political situation of Cuba. And I knew that when I went there, but I did not know how it was going to be socially. And my God, man. I mean, first the good stuff. Have you seen those videos like with those big ass cars, like those yeah, yeah, fifty yeah, cars, yeah, yeah fifty, yeah, yeah and yeah. they have a shit ton of those everywhere, and they're so fucking nice to ride. Like they're so nice to ride, like open top and just uh, cruising yeah. along those the old and, and those old comfy. It's like a sofa seat. Yeah, you know, exactly. The one, the big, very seat. wide cars, right? Yeah, very huge. Very Dude, there was like seven of us traveling together, and I'm sure there were times where all of us plus the driver were in like the same car, shit. and everybody was you know sitting somewhat comfortably. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun um, driving around those cars and just generally it was kind of cheap although they have like two currencies in Cuba um, one of which is like for foreigners so you yeah you get like a different which, currency what you mean so, have like, so um, they know automatically like oh this guy is from outside the country yeah basically the thing is you you could I, I'm pretty sure we exchanged the foreign Cuban pesos for the local Cuban mm-hmm. pesos um, mm-hmm. at, at some exchange place and they gave us some money I'm yeah. not sure if that was okay or not yeah. we were supposed to convert we we're only allowed to use 
the Cuban convertible pesos. Yeah. Talk about the process of getting to Cuba. How do you even get to Cuba? Is it just like if we, if is it just like you you walk into them? But do they have the embassy? Yeah, yeah. I, I I got the visas here. Um, I even got it from my friends who lived in. So there were like seven of us, and most of them lived in like um Yotebori. But they don't have an embassy there, so they just sent me the passports, and I applied for all of them here, and they let me. You know, you just bring in. Mm-hmm. I think I have to pay a certain amount of money. I, I don't remember, maybe 150 crowns, something like that. But it was very simple, and I think I got it the same day. Like I, I handed in my passport, and they gave it back to me minutes later, or something like that. Maybe a, an hour later. And uh, and it's quite th- cheap. And the flight and everything. So How we went from we were already in Central America, so we went from uh, Panama City to Havana, and that was pretty easy decent flight and then we flew back to paris from there it wasn't uh, the travel part was not bad although so i went with people you know me somali um and then i went with um people from afghanistan iraq iran lebanon oh, wow. that was wow. essentially the who's who of global terrorist terrorist lists. people yeah <laughs> so you can imagine the kind of reception we got when we landed in havana at the airport oh wow did um, you get a strip session? No, no, no. They oh. weren't aggressive about it, but they were mm. very curious. It's like, how does this happen? Like, <laughs> how do you all find each other? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, that's Sweden, no? Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, exactly. Sweden in the 21st century. Yeah. Um, and I mean, everybody was Swedish as well, right? Um, no, they, they asked us, they kind of, like, there was a lot of them. There were maybe five of us standing there, and there were maybe 10, 15 uh, security guys around us. But they didn't, they weren't even talking to us, you know? They were just, like, minding their own business. Um, and then after a while, they're like, okay, you know, weird, but hey, welcome. <laughs> and and that uh, was it. you know, like, um, I have, I have seen, um, a lot of, a lot of documentaries on Cuba and I've seen the empty shops and I've seen that and, and, and the lack of food and beverages and, uh, it's like, like, it's really real up there, you know? It's like, how did you how did you guys cope with it, with, with the lack of uh, amenities there, you know? I mean, people were, not, people were not starving. We were there for two weeks. Okay. I don't I don't think people were starving, um, but everybody is kind of poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a university professor. So we rented, um, we were staying with these, um, I forgot what the name was. We were staying, like, homestay kind of a thing, so we were staying with local Cuban families. Okay. We met this girl on the plane in, uh, like, at the airport in Panama City. And she had a friend who was picking her up who was German. And the girl was like, I think British. And they already knew, like they had connections and all of that. So when we landed in Havana, we had nowhere to stay. Like we just showed up and like hope for the best, you know? Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we get there. We met this girl and then her friend came and she's like, yeah, you know, you guys can come stay in the same building. I know this other lady who's renting out rooms. So we just got in a cab and went with the them. fuck? Yeah. And the other lady, she only well, had that's, like... That's a bit too much of trust there, huh? Yeah, she, I mean, that's pretty much how the whole trip works. That's how it always works. Uh, you, so gotta, you, you find people and I think you can tell who you can trust and people yeah. just kind of have, one have thing, this vibe. One thing I've heard, I can't, I can't hear enough of how friendly the people are and how, there, you yes. know, and how open they are about their culture and it's talking about... And they love Castro. I mean, I mean... Yes and no. There are definitely people who believe in the revolution. Um, but then a lot of the young people who we met, you know, like maybe in clubs and bars and just hanging out on the street. Yeah. Talk people, about that part, though. People would just come talk to you. And they were not super keen on this whole ideology because they mm. hadn't. I mean, it's not like they had to struggle or they knew what the system was like before or they were mm. under the active, you know, um, threat from the US and all of that that made it necessary or according to them necessary to build up this mm. state structure 
Like they're not part of that. They don't get it. Like to them, it was like, what the fuck. So, to to show you how absurd it was, it was this guy we met um at one of the other hotel um, apartments houses mm-hmm. we were staying at uh, with this family. Like this yeah. lady who rented us a place had a son. So he would take us out sometimes and um, you know go to bars and stuff. He was a musician. He'd heard of YouTube. But he had no fucking way of accessing it ever. So uh-huh. when we were leaving, he gave us like a CD. This is in 2014, by the way. I mean, who uses CDs, right? And the guy goes like, oh, I managed to make a CD. Could you put my music out on the internet? Oh, wow. So they're, they're very behind when it comes to Dude, those things. We so went to behind. this house, right? And I, mean, I don't know what I was expecting. Listen, Maybe not that, listen, but I went to this you, house. Did you hear, wait, hold up, hold up. <laughs> he, he said that he met somebody who said he heard of YouTube. Yeah. When YouTube was at its peak, like mm. everything, every the whole world was being dominated. 2014, everything, yeah, you know, like was YouTube, it was yeah. just the super money was in YouTube. Everything was in YouTube. There, there was no other platform. But, but, but let me tell you, let me tell you. They, um, we we went to the house. The first one we were staying at, and I asked for the Wi-Fi code. And the woman looks at me like, the what now? You know, and it's like, you know, <laughs> wireless internet um, or like, oh, do I need thing. to sit by a computer? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. <laughs> so you had done no research before going to Cuba, <laughs> did you? No. Huh? The, I don't know. I don't think you know as well. There's no fucking Wi-Fi. No, but it's no, not but a dude, lot of there's things. no fucking normal internet. Yeah, so I thought no. there might be a computer with some dial-up somewhere. No, you had to no. go to the fucking international hotel, yeah. go sit in their lobby, and use the computer for ten dollars an hour. So you had no idea about and these. This things. shit is dial-up. I don't know. It was like kilobytes like upload girl, speed girl, and download girl, speed. School yeah. School. So they're like already connected, but it takes you I don't know ten minutes to open your fucking Gmail account. You know. Yeah. Oh wow! And that's oh, like wow. worse than shit. It's worse than China. Wow. I mean, China blocks you from using it. These people just don't yeah. have it. Yeah, but you China know? has internet. They just block you from Facebook. Yeah. And so shit. some days I, I don't know. Some days I could access it. Other days I had to use my VPN um, yeah. to log onto the internet. I that's what you do in China. Use VPN yeah. before access. Like, yeah. I downloaded mine before I came. See, I knew a bit more about China. Yeah. How was the, how was the nightlife in uh, Cuba? Oh, it was though. fucking incredible, dude. The people. I guess it comes from you know a lack of jobs and having shit to do. But people are out <laughs> every night. <laughs> Um. Yeah, it was not easy. Like you know, this professor I was telling you about, she made forty dollars a month. I mean, forty dollars a about? month. But that's a lot of money, you know. Other in other Cuba, people don't even make that much money. Yeah, forty dollars a month. Yeah, here is two two khana, two jugs of beer. <laughs> is, is it even that? Uh, no, I mean, no. in an expensive place, it's even more than yeah. that. No, you can get you can get four jugs of beer. Let's be honest. No, no, four jugs. What are you talking about? It's forty dollars. Two jugs. That's like four hundred crowns, man. Two jugs. Oh, okay, that's get. two jugs. Yeah, yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah, and that's mm. what that's what he got um, in a month. That's what she got in a month. Yeah, and she was well off, relatively speaking. She was baller in Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> no, so they made more money renting it to us because we paid them like what thirty dollars per room per night or something Ooh. like that. Ooh. Exactly. So they t- treated you like kings. I mean, relative compared to what we were paying in other places, you know, we were like, ah, oh, damn, oh, this stuff damn. is cheap. Yeah. And in Cuba, in a time like, warp. Um, yeah, so the ladies, we gave them money, but then we found a Airbnb somewhere, um, and we got a room with five beds in it for $30 yeah. a night. That's so we split up. There was, at this point, you know, it's like the seven of us traveling together, and then these two girls, the one we met in Panama. So we went to, like, this other city. Um, it's called Varadero. Yeah. Yeah, don't look at me. You should know. <laughs> I, I, I think that's what it was called. Varadero. We went to a bunch of places. I don't know, but it was, like, this coastal area. Um, yeah. So there was nine of us at this point. We're looking for a place to say same thing, you know. We just show up there and we're like asking the cab driver, you know, where we can sleep for the night. 
So he takes us to this place, but then these two guys are like, oh no, we're so above this. So four of them went to a hotel, like the international hotel down by the beach. And we, you know, the five of us took this room. So we ended up paying $6 each. And these guys had to pay $100 for their room. Ooh, man, fucking stuck and imagine up motherfuckers. That, right? I mean, imagine what, what, what that extra money got you exposed to. I mean, not not just not just think of it as a room, but like it's a culture. It's like how how they lived. You got yeah. to experience exactly. so much. Yeah. Like the lady would cook for you every morning. You wake up. She what gives are you, you talking about? She oh. gives you coffee and like bananas. I don't know how. Oh, I've heard. They, I've heard they got the best coffee. Yeah, it was fucking incredible. They have the man. best they have coffee, like a ton of banana, and cigars. They have the best cigars. Oh well. yes, cigars. we got so many. Dude, we went to a fucking farm where they grew the tobacco and rolled the fresh cigars. Oh wow! Um, I think oh, I have a wow. picture somewhere of that. Um, so I went with Mo, you know, um, yeah, Jabba. some other people. Yeah, exactly, and his brother and some other friends. And that was an eye-opening trip. So yeah, the nightlife. People are like out there, you know, a bottle of um, rum, proper Havana Club. It's yeah, like yeah, five dollars yeah. per bottle, you know. Um, I'm sure the locals get it for less. Um, and everybody's about? like just <laughs> drinking on the streets. Um, they have like these very nice squares, and everybody, people randomly just meet up with people and dance on the streets everywhere. Oh. That's how the night goes, and it's like music and party and just chill vibe everywhere. You want to get a beer from a bar, you know, like one of these local places, well and good. If not, you bring your own liquor and you sit there, and it's all the same to them, you know. Shit. And I mean, there's a lot of focus on alcohol in what I'm saying, but it really wasn't. It had nothing to do with it. It was just yeah. a vibe, and it just so happened that people yeah. were drinking. But kids were there, like with their families what, and all of that. What 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 was the other country in South America that was uh, amazing? I think you, you you talked about Chile. You were yeah, in Chile. Chile is yeah, where how, I was, how was living. Uh, wait, weren't you weren't you in Argentina for a bit as well? I went there. I was supposed to live in Brazil, so I went to Brazil first. Um, as it was, you know, I managed to find a loophole. So I had, I got um, residence permits in both Brazil and Chile simultaneously. Because um, there was a loophole I used at uni, and they didn't know that they had given me two positions simultaneously because it's decentralized, and I failed to correct them. So I took both. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so I went like, you know, I'm going to go to Brazil first. Check it out. If it doesn't work out, then fuck it. I'll just move to Chile. That was the plan. And but I kind of also wanted to learn Spanish, so it was Brazil. If it's fun, yeah. yeah. I started out in Brazil, so I went from like Spain to uh, and the uh, women in Brazil. Oh, dude, no. And I went during Carnival, so you know oh. it was extra fucking incredible. The place, <laughs> Jesus. First, oh, I don't know how to describe it, man. It's like a level of party and fun that you really. You can't get anywhere else, like on 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 the street level. Like you mean Brazil? Yeah, yeah, yeah in the Car Carnival in Rio, yeah, yeah. it was f incredible, and the people, the place, the vibe. Also, you know, security because people were robbing you. Let me tell you. Listen, I do this a lot. I think you've noticed that by now in the story. <laughs> yeah. So I went to. I was gonna stay in Rio for a couple of weeks first. I was gonna live yeah. in Sao Paulo. So this is me, like Carnival first in Rio, and then I'll go to uni. So I start out in 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 Rio and. I, I I was being adventurous, so I booked a hostel on my way over in one of these favelas. But it was supposed to have what? Been, yeah, but, but it was supposed Explain to have been like favelas um, first. Don't jump over it. Favela, right. so favela fa is okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's like one of these um, extremely poor, rundown neighborhoods. A shanty town, are, basically. It's a shanty yeah, town. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. That's exactly how you put it. It's a shanty town. And, and tourists, tourists don't don't. You're not don't supposed to go there. Exactly. Yeah, uh -huh. but not all of them. Mm. So I'd, I, I'd looked it up and there was one that was supposed to have been, you know, gentrified. It was called Vigigal. Okay. Um, so that was my plan, you know, to go there. And I, I, I don't know a single soul in Rio. I had from the exchange semester before, there was a guy who was in Stockholm that I met. So I was going to hang out with him, but that was in Sao Paulo. So I knew nobody in Rio when I got there. 
Uh, but then I met this guy on the plane. Um, he was sitting next to me, and his girlfriend came to pick him up at the airport. And she was very nice, so she offered to drive me to my um, hostel. So I was like, you know, we were talking along the way, and then she tells me how fucked up and dangerous um, some parts of the city are and how I should be extra careful and all of that. And then we get to the favela where I'm staying, and she re- refuses to drive me up because, like, I'm, I'm going to get carjacked if I go into that neighborhood. So, you know, and these so favelas you, you better walk. Is that what she said? Like, you yeah, better yeah. walk. No, she's like, I'm going to get you a cab. He'll take you up. And the thing is, these favelas are mostly on the hills. So, you know, yeah, it's yeah. the beach and the flat. It's like very it's nice long, places, like it's a strip of flat land, yeah. but then it's all hills everywhere. Yeah. So the favelas are all up on the hills. Yeah. So we're like at the bottom trying to get up and we stop a few cabs. And obviously I don't speak Portuguese, right? So she's negotiating for me. And then there were these three cabs and all three of them refused to go up to the neighborhood because they're like, fuck that, you know, we're not doing this now. So we drove off to where she knew was a taxi stand, and all so of them refused to so take us. So, so hold up, hold up. The, he was supposed to be gentrified, in my fa- defense. Fa- it was a car? gentrified favela. So the car <laughs> car refuses to take you up, and then the taxi refuses to take yeah. you up. And this is like late and at night, and we're at, standing on the street. And this was supposed to be the civilized one. Yeah. Out of all the favelas, yeah. they, they have like shooting one. across, like between favelas, w- w- over the highway, running in between them. So you got to be extra careful. Sometimes they shut so it why, off. Why? Why? Why again? I didn't know that. And the internet said, <laughs> the internet, <laughs> the internet said <laughs> that place was safe. Just making moves without doing proper checkup. No. So um, anyway, after a while, she's like, you know what? I don't think you should stay there. So she went online and she booked me a different um, hotel downtown. Mm. And she drove me there and dropped me off. So it was like, you know. Thank God for her. Otherwise, yeah, we man, wouldn't have so you here, bro. Nice. No, you wouldn't be here. You'd be, you wouldn't be here, bro. You'd be just another. No, but I, don't, I honestly don't think it's that bad. thing is, you know, these were. Um, you know, you know if, if people in favelas, you know, that where, where, where was it, Fab? What was the name? The place. Yeah, yeah favela. Vigigal. Vichigao? Vichigao. Vichigao. They're probably Vichigao people listening to this like, how did he get away? He was so (laughs) close. (laughs) He was right here. (laughs) He just didn't come up. Nah, but that's that. That means that that means the 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 shit is real. When when yeah, dude, they tried to rob me three times in two weeks. So that's like all of my life combined, and then (laughs) some. Yo, yo. Right, one time, man, yo. in Sao Paulo, they tried stealing yo, my phone. I got some Brazilian listeners, you know, like, shout out to them. You know, this guy just had a bad time. <laughs> yeah, but listen, I had a great fucking time. No, despite all of this, yeah. I'm giving it a top class rating, man. Brazil was like, all of, all of these places were good. There are very few places I've been to where I'll tell you I'm never going to go back to. Uh, or, you know, if I, if I can avoid it, I wouldn't go back to. And one of those places is like Bratislava in Europe. That's like one place where I've decided I'm not going to go ever again and I've been there twice and every time it's like why did I come Bratislava what, no, what yeah. happened for? is it in Germany no it's in uh, Slovakia Slovakia but yeah. that's I've, not I've a good place to go I've heard it's a place no. of culture and heritage Slovakia Bratislava so is me say stuff <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna regret <laughs> no um, one time I went with Mo as well Yeah. Uh, the first time I went alone uh, second time I was with Mo and we we're gonna visit a friend who, who lived in Bratislava uh. and we were walking to his house and I swear to God some random stranger of just came out onto the street and threatened to kill us. I yeah. swear to God, we, we just got there. We're walking from the bus station to this guy's house. He lives very close to it. Maybe 10 minute walk. So we're walking over and this guy randomly shows up on the guy's street as well, my friend's street. And he goes like, I will fucking, he says some stuff in Slovakian. We didn't get it. And my friend goes like, we don't understand you. Know, yeah. What are you saying? And then he goes like, oh, I will fucking kill you. Th- Why that have is we not done to this guy ever? 
And that was just the vibe. I mean, I don't want to talk trash about that place, to be honest. But like that uh, was just the vibe really generally really in the city. Trash, but you speak the truth. But w- is it because of lack of tourists or what? No, I, it's because they're racist really as fuck, bro. Oh, okay. Even even me, like when I was in Czech Republic, you know. Oh, that's I've, another place. <laughs> I've got looks, you Czech know. Is but I love that. Man. No, despite what happened there, Prague is amazing. Still, exactly. I'm still yeah, gonna go back nice. to Prague. But, yeah, but, yeah, but you know, just for a couple of days. The English, good, yeah. No, but the, don't overstay your the welcome. The good, yeah. far outstripped the 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 bad. But I was there for like both times, maybe three, four days. Max. That's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's, that's it. You can't that's you can't enough. do Prague more than that. No. Very nice weekend, and then we move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what Prague is good for. Just go in and out, you know. But of course. What a beautiful place! Oh, I, don't, I, I, I mean, I mean, I really, I really think that any place beats our beauty. But come on, man, Prague. Prague is beautiful. They yeah. light it up very beautifully at night as it, well. It looks like oh, Gamblastan, the whole city. The whole city. Looks and like and, and then when Stockholm. you go, when you go to the um, the slot, uh, the palace, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that view, that whole view. You're on the bridge there. Oh, at Charles Bridge. Yeah. I mean, but it's too crowded. But yeah, you can get so many other yeah. bridges as well. Yeah. Have you seen? There's this gigantic club right next to it. The one that has got like I don't know eight floors. Plays a lot I of know. techno rave yeah. stuff. Yeah. I know. Had a good night there as well one time. <laughs> Man. Uh, I remember going into Prague and going into this club. Uh, I think it was, it was on a Wednesday or something, and uh, and I went to the I went to the bar and I was like, "Yo, give me give me the strongest shot, you know, that you got, you know, I want to see." And he was like, "Yo, we got absinthe, you know." I'm like, "Man, oh, I've yeah. heard about absinthe, man. <laughs> it ain't nothing, you know." And he was like, "No, no, no, this shit, this I don't know what you've been drinking, but this is this shit is like, it's proper absinthe. yeah, proper absinthe." I'm like, "Man, just give it to me," and you know, I'm already smashed. I'm like, "Just give it to me." The guy gives it to me, bro. I have never felt that kind of burn in my life, bro. Uh-huh. You could see that the alcohol level was with each I drop, eighty percent. Ooh, uh, strong Ooh, stuff. Burnt my whole chest up. I think the worst I tried was I think it was ninety something from Ooh. Poland. Oh yeah, shit. Um, when we were doing the high school exchange. That was nice. Oh, Poland is another place I've lived, if if it counts. Have you lived in Poland? I did high school exchange. How long? Uh, <laughs> how long were you there? <laughs> it was like a week something. A week? Oh. That's not considered living there. <laughs> no, but, hey, but I took up residence with the Polish family. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. It counts. Well, yeah. That counts but I, but I, where where was it? Gdansk. Gdansk. Oh, Gdansk. Mm-hmm. Gdansk. Yeah. Uh, uh, my cousin was in Gdansk. I just missed uh, going there, but I went to Warsaw. Man, crazy man. Yeah. Crazy. Warsaw's very nice as well. Crazy, bro. But you know that's that's another city. Just go in for quick four or five days, get out of there. <laughs> because I mean, of course you could stay in because of the because it's so cheap. Just being just there, and everything is so different, bro. Yeah. It's like every street is like one. You cross one street, you're in like 2020. You cross the other street, you're like in 1940s. I swear, <laughs> I swear. And I mean, in terms of social evolution, you see how some places are more progressive than others and mm. sometimes you know you feel like damn the clock seems to have frozen here and, and it's so so in your face so in your face they're so in your face they're whatever whatever good bad ugly in your face whatever you need in your face where do you want to go in That's your face Polish you just let style, them know huh? you can stop anybody and ask them for any any good bad or ugly they have the same response with the same face they don't get surprised they're like oh you need that yeah, <laughs> go there. And do, oh, you need that. Ah, oh, you go there. It could be crazy questions. The same reaction. Oh man! But you know, these were these were your amazing uh, travel stories, fam. How did how did somebody who moved around so much, who loves moving around so much, decide to uh, 
be entrepreneurial or settle down or or try to grow his or his roots in the city right now you know how did you manage to do that i don't know man i was not supposed to stay in stockholm so when i lived in chile um, i got a job and i extended my studies there so i was going to do like a proper mba i started the first half and then i came to stockholm um because my nephew was going to be born so i was you know i was just going to be here for a few weeks and go back i had a return flight had my apartment there and then i just never went back and I call a, you know, I like I'd already I was already ha- having a job and I was gonna start a new one after I quit, so I just kept the one I had and just didn't go back. And the plan was never to stay in Stockholm. It always just kind of happens. It's been five years now. I'm like I'm gonna leave every other week. Um, how that, I don't know. I really don't know, man. I always want to leave. I was gonna move to London now. Um, I quit my job partly because of that as well and I was going to move there in April and I quit in March and then the whole lockdown shit happened oh, yeah. and I'm sort of still kind of grateful that I'm you know in Stockholm because I'd rather not get stuck anywhere else right now but yeah. if but I can is, move there before this? Brexit but where'd you where'd you get this <laughs> whenever that happens I swear yeah. it's a ticking clock you yeah. know you but where'd you get this uh, I need to renew my British passport <laughs> are, are I've said that for to? like two years yeah of course I am so sure. I can get so I can get to UK easily you know Oh, that's true. I think it's going to be equally easy. I think it will be, but you never know. If they start yeah. acting up and say, oh, you need to... It's, it's just easy. If I flash a British passport, they'll be like, welcome home. Yeah. Even I'm not, I don't live there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But uh. where'd you get this... Uh, this always always yearning for like a move or always yearning for like a next job or a next place? Like, why is it? Is it is it something it, that you're looking it for? It excites me. Why do you get bored so easy then? I don't know. I really don't know. But I do get bored easy. Um, I don't know why. It's just, I always want to have things happening. I have too many things happening all the time. And then I end up basically accomplishing nothing. But it doesn't matter because I'm still doing shit. Mm. Is it because of the journey is what excites you? Yeah. Just I think that. I like the idea. I always like the idea much more than the reality. So I, I do it just to get enough of a feel for it. And then it's like, well, you know, time to move on. And and as and you that way I don't hate anything. And as you mentioned as well, um, that you were here for your nephew. It's 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 a uh, family plays a big role as well in your life. Yeah. And uh, is it is it does it, do they have a reason for you? No. To stay back here? <laughs> no. no. They're definitely not weighing heavily in on this. Um, also, everybody lives in the same city. It doesn't matter if one of us is missing, right? Um, but definitely not I mean the family is not the reason why I stayed well it, it was definitely the reason why I stayed at that time yeah. it's not why I'm still here no mm. um, it's just because like you're saying you know um, the whole entrepreneurial thing I want to always try working with different projects and it's a lot easier to get support for these um, ideas and projects here in Sweden yeah. than it would be elsewhere yeah. and you gotta like figure out a new system and navigate it so for now when I'm trying out different ideas Sweden is quite good for it but if I'm gonna get a job you, or work somewhere could you do could you give us a <coughs> breakdown of what you mean if somebody if somebody has an idea right mm-hmm. now a great idea and he has it all calculated you know the back end the front end he has a breakdown of the economics he has the breakdown or what he thinks a breakdown and he knows about uh, the stats he knows about what it's going to cost and everything a guy who has a a proper pitch Mm. where can he go to get it financed um depends on what excuse me depends on what kind of financing you're talking about right um 
and also for what stage of the project so do you just have an idea right now are you developing your own technology are you trying to combine something um, as a general incubator like yeah. w- do we have i think we have incubators right yeah, where, yeah, where yeah. There's a lot of them here there's yeah, a lot of money yeah. so could could you name could you name like a few or or somebody who came handy for you came in came in help um i mean i was found at the stockholm school of entrepreneurships programs um to be interesting i did like a fellowship with them uh 2018 so before i got my last job um that's when i was working on the hydroponics um project we were very supportive the the, the v- vertical farming vertical farming yeah uh yeah we, we're gonna get back to that but mm. before that yeah what we so so these so these incubators if you have a good pitch and a complete pitch yeah. and we're not talking about half ass pitch a complete pitch yeah. uh what are if so what are different are the types stages? of incubators as well right yeah. yeah and then there's a question of the different stages yeah. so for example are we talking about yeah going back to the question of are you developing technology is it ready are you ready to go to the market do you need to validate do you have a proof of concept depends on what stage you're at and what mm-hmm. you want the money for so, so you don't ask somebody so let me break it down so you mean when you say technology do you mean is it is it an app do you have is a, it a, a development phase yeah, or is it develop- if it's a product or a service if it's yeah. an app or yeah. any kind of a software tool or whatever you know things yeah. like that software is a lot easier because okay. they require less um i mean the capital there is always people yeah the capital requirement exactly. is people a lot yeah. of the time and maybe here and there you know you need to pay for some support services but okay. generally it's your personnel who do all of the work so yeah. they're a lot easier to work with but then there are these businesses that would require a lot of capital investment yeah. you need to maybe buy a building you need to have a physical presence yeah. um, an app is just an app you put it on the app store you guys can work out of a co-working space forever and it'll be fine as long as maybe you have a small sales office depends on what you're working with right if you have a product you're manufacturing something if you're doing what i was doing the hydroponics vertical farming yeah that's <coughs> a different kind of yeah, a project you, you need so, a big so space now, now we're talking about yeah. now get, get let's get into that and the capital let's come to the capital mm-hmm. uh so how how do you let's start from the beginning how did you get that idea explain the idea and how did you go about it um interesting that you asked me about incubators before because that's how this all started um when i got out of uni i was freelancing for a while when i finished my masters and then um, i applied for this program so it's called the swedish somali business program and their uh, their goal was they're like funded it's a state funded program the swedish state pays for it and the idea is to use the somali diaspora in sweden and i think eventually in other countries or they already work with somalis in other countries as well but it's like the idea is to use the diaspora somalis to help rebuild um, somalia so you bring in somalis and with there's, expertise there, there's, there, there is such in stockholm it was said. a swedish program Could you please name what was what was the name the swedish somali business program but okay. it's over it's it's i think it's finished now because it was a two three year program okay. and they're like evaluating how it went but they had multiple rounds Okay. Where you could apply. So it had different levels of funding. Um first you got um 35,000 crowns to test out your idea. You know for example if you want to do a feasibility study or you want to um, establish partnerships or pay for um some level of stock or I don't know what. What kind of what kind of involvement did they did they did they need to see before they gave out the that ideas? Check? They need your ideas to be developed. And just yeah. and, and just the ideas. Yeah. And they 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 trusted if you they with that, that you're going to go yeah. forward so with if it. their idea is viable, so if, just if it appears viable, that um, will get you yeah. 35. So if you're for example like I was, you know, I was like starting out, I had nothing in place. I yeah. was I got the feasibility grant. Um to go do like to verify whether my idea would even work uh, or not and, and that grant was 
35,000. And then in the next stage, you could get like 200,000 crowns in seed money to get you started. How far, how far, how far in did you have to be to get that grant? It, it was right after. So it depends on the thing is, you're supposed like two stages, right? Stage one is what I was doing, and then stage two is where you get more money. So the idea is that, um, you, you submit a report after the first round and then you tell them what you found and whether you think it is um, feasible for you to establish whatever it is that you were going to establish. Um, and you take it from there. So, for example, I concluded, my, my research concluded that what I wanted to do was not going to be feasible, definitely not with the amount of money that they were offering and I had no other um, sources of capital so I couldn't move on to the other part. But there are people who had um, who were already testing out a product that was needed on the market. Like a guy was trying to resell um, um, he was trying to resell uh, water filters or like these water bottles with filters in them or some oh, yeah. sort. I think it was water filtration in any case for like okay. rural areas and you could take like unclean water source and it would and filter, pour the filter yeah. out and mm-hmm. you could drink water from like um, mm-hmm. creeks and things like so that. Th- so this was this was because they <coughs> want they wanted <clears throat> the people from here the Somali from here to work on something back home. Exactly. They the diaspora to work yes. somewhere. So the filtration would be for his home where like was for, the guy for, no was no it, it was for Somalia it's not oh, for his home. no it's a business everybody has to establish a business no no I'm talking about but these are all Somali people everybody is Somali all right. Maybe not running the program obviously um, it's a Swedish but, program but but, uh, but but that's such a such a great initiative and such a great idea they do stuff like that quite so, a bit in Sweden and who when you mean by day who is they state um, so this is the, the this state? This state more specifically it is um, CIDA the Swedish CIDA. International and Development Agency they're the ones who are, who pay out all of these monies, and they spend billions every year in Cedar. like yeah in in so development aid. And then they use sometimes you know it's like life saving medication for somebody on the spot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's investments so you can come up with long term more viable solutions to like persistent problems. Water, for example. Yeah. So so when so when if you go to their site, is it is it, they always have? It's the, very easy to navigate. I mean, I don't know. Maybe no, I no, say I'm talking very about easy. they always have it. What program they have running? They right have now. a full list. Um, okay, they tell you great. what kind of funds are out there. The thing oh, is, um, CIDA pays money to a lot of different challenge funds and things like that, where they look at a particular problem. And any business who says they can solve that problem and submits a feasible proposal gets funding for their company. Great. So, yeah, but I mean, it, it is always in response to a specific problem. So they'd be like, okay, this region of this country needs this many schools. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking somebody build like um, five sustainable schools. How would you go about it? And okay. then you submit a proposal. And for example, right. if a company has. So basically, if you can come up, if you come, come up with a proposal and uh, it meets their requirement, they're ready to partner yeah. with you. So. A good, In, a good it's I- not as simple. It's, it's not, not as simple. simple as that, it's but not yeah. as simple, but a a good idea, a great pitch with everything sorted out. There are places, and he just spoke about one of them that you can directly go and pitch it to them, and they will support you if they feel but that I mean, it's something. You got to be careful there, though, because CIDA is for foreign um, projects, so they will not, for example, give money to Swedish startups for Swedish projects. Mm. That, okay. No, then you have a bunch of other agencies mm. responsible for mm. that. Mm. Yeah, so you have like Tilvexverket, you have Vinova, you have Almi that gives you. Um, they're supposed to give you loans. They give loans yeah. to companies who cannot get loans otherwise. Um, they charge you a higher interest because you're not supposed to compete with the banks, right? You're, the public sector is not supposed to infringe on the private sector, mm. supposedly. Supposedly. Um, so they charge you higher interest, but they give you excellent terms. Um, you know the, the duration to pay it back in. Um, they follow your progress, for example, and they give you an extension if you need. A bank doesn't necessarily give a shit about those things, you know. Hmm. 
So it's good like that. Um, there's Almi, Vinova, Tilvexverket. And like the interest, you know, of course, they charge a little bit of interest. But like, what's what what's like the re- repayment schedules on this? Is it I as, mean, you as can get expands? like, for example, you can get five, ten years payment time. Great. So they uh, are technically giving the same amount of time as banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be the same thing. They're just more lenient. And for example, yeah. they don't always require um, collateral. Sometimes they will invest in your business. So there are like a bunch of different ways to invest in businesses, yeah. right? Sometimes they'll give you a convertible loan. So they'll give you money as a loan and then look at how your business goes. So if you're successful, you've already agreed to give them a certain number of shares. And then in exchange for that um, loan, right. um, otherwise you pay back the money, right? And for them, it's you know low risk because they get interest payments on the regular until you're able to pay off the loan or until they decide we're going to get actual ac- um, assets and then you, yeah. know, you get dividends. So. Okay. Either way, they get stuff yeah. off of it. Yeah. And, and that's easier. That's easier than to go to the banks. So if you have a different, I mean, you're not. Yeah, line. exactly. You're not yeah. supposed to do that, though. No, technically, but no. for startups and people who don't have a credit history, for example, you know, yeah. it's going to be very difficult to prove anything to a bank. Yeah. So and when when we don't have to go to this kind of institution, mm-hmm. but go to places where they're giving out grants. What's the liability? Like when, when you cannot go through with your idea, like as you said, like your, I, I tested it out, it wasn't feasible. There was no liability. So okay. I got I got um, 50,000 crowns. For that for that one, I got 35,000, right? And I traveled yeah. down to Somalia. And so the job, the project, I, what I was proposing, because you know, I did my master's in entrepreneurship and innovation, and this was right after that. So I wanted yeah. to see if I could establish a business incubator in Somalia. Obviously, I would require a lot of, you know, like a big network and expertise and all of that. But the idea was to see whether the country could because there were zero incubators in the country at the time. So it was like, can we, can we accomplish such a thing? And it was like, it's definitely beyond 200,000 crowns to A, mm. procure an office, like to do it the way I wanted to do it because yeah. I wanted to have like a co-working space, yeah. training for the people who were mm. going to be working in there, yeah. free internet and stuff like that. That is critical because yeah, they don't have, or at the time they didn't have super easy access to it. Internet's a bit better now in Somalia at least. So okay. um, it's not that big a deal. Everybody's like online. Um, but it's like you know, for two hundred thousand, I cannot do anything. That's like twenty thousand dollars. I cannot do anything with twenty thousand dollars. I cannot. I could, I could maybe pay for an office to rent it for a couple of months, but then how are you going to pay the people? Yeah. And the idea is, you know, to have a long-term program to give these people office, to give them training, um, eventually connect them with financial sources locally because investment is essentially zero in the country. You know. Um, and that's a critical critical component of like your macroeconomic uh, development and your GDP. So if you have no savings, if you have no investments, then you got like that's that's a big chunk of it, right? Um, so the idea was to try and make it make all of that work, but um, partly because like it, I I concluded it wasn't going to happen because uh, first of all I had I, I had a lot of trouble trying to get information. Um, people were very the state. People are friendly, is you know, when they're just talking to you. But if they realize, you know, you have an agenda or a purpose, they're gonna make life difficult for you unless you pay up. So it's like I could I could barely get answers to my questions um, when I was doing it for research purposes. How difficult was it gonna be to establish partnership? Because you say, oh, you know, I'm I'm doing a project in partnership with CIDA, and it's like, oh, CIDA, everybody knows what CIDA is, and it's like, well then. Um, I'll talk to you for three thousand dollars, and it's oh, like, wow. <laughs> you oh, that's know? a problem. Yeah, huh. it's like yeah, I mean, it can happen, and also I guess I cannot be the person who does it because you know yeah. I am Somali, but I am definitely not up to speed on the local business culture. Yeah, yeah. 
that's not something I can make yeah. you know make happen. So yeah. they're like, fine, you know. I submitted the report. I told them. I told them exactly what I spent the money on, what I did, where I traveled. And they're like, fine, you know. If that's your conclusion, then okay. Oh, wow. Um, same thing with the SSES when I was working the vertical when I was working on the vertical yeah. farming project. I, yeah. They gave me fifty thousand crowns, uh, but they didn't give me cash. You know, they gave me they paid for my stuff. Like things uh-huh. I needed to build um, this unit. Yeah. So the idea was to start with, yeah. So that's how the the idea started. When I went to Somalia for this project, and I realized, I mean, they import ninety percent of their food. They they don't grow anything. I'm, I'm talking about Somaliland now, which is the northern part of Somalia. Yeah. Um, we can ignore the politics for now. Mm. Um, they import all of their food from Ethiopia and other countries. It's even perishable goods. So salads, everything comes from abroad. And, you know, when they say they have a salad, it, 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 it's a joke. It's like barely some lettuce um, with some tomatoes. Mm. So that's where it started. You know, it's like going to be because I've been talking to some friends about the concept of vertical farming before um, and how it seemed super cool. Uh, and then I also noticed because this incubator, I wanted to do it. <laughs> Maybe that's why it wasn't possible to do 200,000 crowns because I wanted to make it a lot more elaborate. I wanted to have... Um, I wanted to make build the whole thing out of shipping containers, recycled shipping containers, and it could be it would be a lot cheaper than you know, for example, getting a building, mm. and you just refurbish them and you use them as um, like the office spaces, and you make like a perimeter with the container, so the inner side is just open space where you can work, mm. and it's just just natural. You put a glass roof on top, and that's it. So that's what I wanted to do, and I, I was very into the idea of containers. So that's how it started, and then I'm like, hmm, wouldn't it be super cool? Because they can't grow food on the land because it's super arid and dry. It's like, what if, you know, we did vertical farming? This is the perfect place for that. And then I was focused on the shipping container aspect of it. So that's what I applied to the incubator with. Oh, okay. Um, and then they gave me the money. But I looked into how it would work, how it would work getting a shipping container in Sweden. And uh, it is expensive as hell. Also, the land policies but are it, would, But wouldn't it, wouldn't it better to have the containers from your port? Or that, that would be... No, no, no. In Somalia, yeah. I wanted to get it, get them in Somalia. Yeah. Here in Sweden, I tried getting it from the ports in Stockholm and Göteborg. Uh-huh. Okay. And they were quite expensive. So the container itself cost maybe 25,000 crowns. And it's just like a simple container that you get to refurbish yourself because, you know, it has to be usable. So that's like part one. Um, and then you have to transport it to Stockholm. The transport costs 10,000 crowns Jeez. to just bring the thing over. Yeah. Then you have to find land. Exactly. Um, you need to rent land from the city. And the laws are so fucked up. And I called them and I tried to you know, get them to explain to me how it would work for my purposes. And everybody gives you the standard template answer that you can find online. So it's like, you know, I read the website. Still not any of the wiser. Somebody helped me out. And they're like, no. And it got very complicated. But, I, you know, to keep it there, to, to do some trial runs to see whether, you know, this idea would work. You needed to have it for at least six months. Then, you know, we would be in the Swedish winter and how the fuck am I going to insulate this? Because everything is going to die in there because they need certain temperatures. Just to test out the process would have cost more than what they... Yeah, so just to... Just the fucking container itself would cost at least two, three times that amount. Now, eventually, obviously, you wouldn't need to do all of this because you're buying a single unit. You're buying one of everything now. So it's fine. But if you're trying to make a business out of it, you know, you bulk buy things. People are willing to give you a giant discount. Why didn't you want to do it in... uh, Why didn't you want to get the container and try out in uh, Somalia? Uh, But it, it wasn't only... You mean working with the farming? Yeah. 
but it would have been very complicated to like travel down to Somalia just to buy this container and build mm. it. And then there There's we have the problem There's a lot of politics involved as well with the port, yeah, right? And it's, oh yeah, I went to the port. I, dude, they wouldn't tell me what the fucking rate of taxation for different goods was wow. until I had something waiting to land at the port. I'm like, so how am I supposed to do any kind of planning? And he goes like, well, why don't you come back to me when you know what the uh, hell you want? Explain for people who don't know about the significance of that port in Somalia and, and the positioning of that port and who uses that port. Go on. Are you? <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> do you want to hear the political story? No, no, no. I just want to the significance of that side. As you already mentioned, Somaliland, as you said, on the north. Okay. So it, it would be hard for you to access that port. Right? Me as an individual. As an individual, um, just if you're not not accustomed to the politics over there, you cannot exactly, just go down and just very, exactly. Ve- it's all politics, and it's under. And it's funny because my dad used to work in the port. Like I don't know, forty years ago, fifty years ago, that's important. He's not that old. Maybe forty years ago. Um, he used to work at this port. It's the port of um, Berbera. So the thing yeah. is, it's a very significant port. It's yes. politically very... Um, yes. Controversial. I'm not going to say... Yeah, exactly. Controversial. Because, you know, um, Ethiopia, our neighbors, they're landlocked. Um, or they became landlocked when Eritrea became its own country. So they've been using Djibouti. And, I mean, this is going to be a... Politically, Djibouti is also in a... For now, yeah. in a very good position... Because they can play a lot of people against each other. So Djibouti has this port. 95% of Ethiopia's imports come through the Djibouti port. Obviously, the over-reliant Djibouti can play blackmail games whenever it wants. Um, but then Djibouti also has an American military base and Chinese and French, French and yeah. Japanese oh. and Italian. No, maybe not Italian. Um, <clears throat> and there's a lot of people um, competing for influence over there. You know, So it's a very sensitive port. It, it, so it, as an alternative to that... Yeah. The the I, mean, I don't know what part of the story to tell because this is a very no, big I just, I, no 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 okay. I just I just wanted people to understand yeah, that yeah, some yeah. people would be like yo you're from Somalia why don't you just try to do the container from there and you got a port it's not that easy that's what I want them to know that it's not easy you cannot mm. just go in and go to your port it's not that easy no, no it's more. not that easy no nah. it's Everything easier even though it's costlier easy. here it's easier so much easier you make phone calls there's bureaucracy yes there's, even though it might take yes. long but there's a system yeah. there you need to pay 10 people just to get to the port and 10 more people just to talk to you and then 10 more people to just get to the container 10 more people to fix that other boat and that's gonna drop it my cousin was a lifesaver because he's you know he's another he, he also grew up abroad um, outside Somalia so he understands, but he has also lived there long enough and he's been working there as an engineer. So he understands the locals as well. So it was like fucking perfect having him there because, man, hanging out in Somalia, people ask you all the time where you're from. And you, you don't think that's a question you're going to be getting. Like, you know, my whole, life I was out, my whole life I was outside Somalia and people ask you where you're from and you say Somalia. You know, right. that was like the standard response. But yeah. then you fucking go to Somalia and people are like, where are you from? Because yeah. you're clearly not, you know, local. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and and they, the can see you from, yeah. they can spot from a mile. Yeah, we because have, you'd be standing on the street the and they same, ask you that. We have the same issue with our port as well. We have the, we have, we have, all the scraps and all the dead ships come to our port and they take up the scraps and they use the metal and we have a lot of controversy with our port as well you are not even allowed in the parameter of the port if they catch (coughs) you try to get a a photo or something with the port it's locked from like a mile 
So I know, and with your port, it's even it, ten it's times. It's even more, more sensitive yeah. because now there's this whole like the Somalia and Somalia divide is centered on this port right now. Yes. Then there's this whole political battle between the UAE, Turkey, Qatar, um, all these countries. They're trying to gain foothold in Eastern um, Africa. So Somaliland, you know how Somaliland and Somalia are split. So the government in Somalia is siding with uh, in Mogadishu is siding with Qatar, sort of. They're technically neutral, but the one in Somaliland is blatantly straight up. UAE side so they gave them the port and to give you an idea of the significance of this port it used to belong to the Soviet Union first they're the ones who built it out but then our communist regime uh, regimes changed sides so then they gave it to the Americans and then the civil war came and this is like one of the I think it's the longest runway um, in all of Africa for example so it's got some significance and now the UAE has been given that and they're building a naval base right next to this port as well and they get ownership of the port itself as well. Man. So it's a very sensitive um, region right now. And yeah. No, but the reason I, I dwelled into that so that people understand that it's uh, it's easier to test something here even though it'll cost more money. But let's go back to that story because the yeah. thing is it was going to cost way too much money. Yeah, so I compromised. Exactly. And instead of buying a shipping container, I mean, I figured I'd, I'd like miniaturize the whole thing. So instead of buying a full flow, like full-fledged um, shipping container... I decided to create a small container that had the same conditions as that that I wouldn't need to insulate uh, myself. Because that was like one of the biggest problems with the container, how to get it to be the perfect temperature. And I wanted to be in countries that are hot. So how do you regulate that? And the idea was to make this a completely um, independent unit, right? Um, try and uh, power it with renewable energy if possible where needed connected to the grid but make sure it's like transportable you can grow it and anywhere it's a whole you year want thing. You wanted and it it's a whole year thing and initially or what i've been working on the only type of plants i've grown so far are um, microgreens so that is, these are like yeah. these, you know baby salads yeah basically garnish yeah um for food that's the kind of stuff i've been growing but they're like super expensive you know like a kilo that costs maybe 300 crowns yeah um, i've seen uh it's a big business now in sweden microgreens exactly. and stuff. I, I went to like one of the expensive uh ecos you know expensive more sort of high-end uh what's it called it's grocery shops here in sweden and they were offering like these microgreens and i've only seen them on the news and they cost like some ridiculous it was like 50 kroners for like one yeah teeny tiny tub right? yeah yeah yeah. But, yeah and yeah. it was naturally grown in like a some tunnel somewhere in stockholm or something like that oh it's the one that was grown um yeah, 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 yeah. i'm not exactly sure where it came when i was working it. on it they were my competitors is it uh so it's a big There's not a lot of people who had that but yeah it's, it's quite it, it now is now is and it's, it's very lucrative because it, it doesn't is. cost that much money to grow it so yeah. i mean ha- had i managed to make it work on that scale sure. it would have been quite lucrative but it requires a lot of effort and this yeah. is what happens like i mean i i knew nothing about farming i knew nothing oh. about construction i had to learn how to program raspberry pi so it could automate the thing for me because oh, that was okay, the thing okay. this whole thing is supposed to be automated right yeah. i only plant the seeds and i and i leave it you know be and I don't know, in two weeks, the microgreens are ready, and then you just harvest that in two weeks. Oh, that was the idea. Everything happens automatically in between. The mm-hmm. nutrition, everything is taken care of automatically. So I had to learn how to program all of that. Yeah. Um, and then I had to figure out how the fucking engineering was going to work so that the pipes but were But what about the optimally. presence of people? You, they were, it was just fully automated. It, yeah. I mean, I didn't get to that level because I couldn't automate all the parts. But but, but the farming land in, in uh, Somalia is not good at all. No, no in Somalia it is. Right. Southern, like, I mean, if you look at all of Somalia, the southern yeah. part is quite fertile. Um, okay. Between, I mean, they have two rivers, and in between is extremely fertile land, yeah. so you can grow a lot of different things. And they use that farming land for... They do, but there's, things. you know, like, um, 
I'm not going to call it a civil war, but the unrest has not ended in the south. Oh, okay. Um, to the same extent, now instead of militias, we have Al Shabaab, which is uh, a terrorist group, yeah. and they bomb people wantonly, left and right. Um, they tax people to the point where people are like, "Fuck it, we're not going to grow anything." Then, if you're going to do it, but I mean, also they lack technology and equipment, and uh, the government isn't super um, competent either, oh, okay. so they can't really help mm. them out. It's just, it's just, it's just a mess. Third, third world country. If you haven't lived, if you haven't born, if you weren't born and brought up there and lived a good chunk of your life there. Oh, it's 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 gonna be hard to navigate anything there unless you have somebody local with you from the government or Fine somebody up. who knows how to talk to navigate these lands. Otherwise, mm. it's hard. Even mm. though, even if they were fertile lands, just for him to go, as soon as you would have said that, oh, I'm 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 being financed by Sida, that would have been the end of it. So even knowing how to say what to say. How to say it without being looked at looked as like oh I'm I'm faking it or I'm lying it that's mm. even, that's that's also also a big big process you know you have to know how to talk to these people when everybody is just on the poverty line everybody's hungry everybody just wants to eat but you know <clears throat> I mean these places are not as bad as you think though Inti because you'd be surprised by the amount of cash that goes around in these countries and in these cities like in Mogadishu. It's easy that you buy a house for a million dollars today. Ooh. I mean, imagine that's a lot. that. Yeah. She. That's a lot. You think it's a terrorism, war-plagued hellhole that you shouldn't go to, but it's really not. The image that they have of these places is not that bad. It's a system. Yeah. I'm not saying it's good or that it works, but it's not the unruly chaos that yeah, people you think, it, think is. it is exactly yeah. i mean of course of course the, the the what what i was going to say is that there's there is it's it's a f- it's a functioning chaos it's a functioning chaos and mm-hmm. it's hard for people who are not from there to navigate through those places even if you're from there because they can clearly point you out but you know the reason of all this is yeah, was 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 the was the whole startup scene over here in sweden and how how you gave you got the opportunity and i wanted people to hear that because a lot of people say a lot of things you know about you know the system and everything but it's possible you can do it and if you put your mind to it if you have a good pitch if you have a good idea they give you the money you don't even need to worry you just need to put your 110% in it and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out there's no liability you, they're not going to hold you accountable they, you can do it you can do it with a partner you can set it up you can set up the plan and it's been it's been quite refreshing to hear it from you you know from your mouth because I, I don't know like last couple of days or last couple of weeks you know of course there's so much of inequality and everything but there's also this side aspect of the state that people need to hear and they don't they don't hear it as much so hey, i'm very critical of the state too but yeah I mean, i'm so am i so am i but i mean you know you, you don't have to tie all of these things together and they do a lot of other good things as exactly. well and like had i gone through with this project so at, at this point you know i got a new apartment i had to pay rent money was running out i had no savings and it's just like you know i i had to leave the incubation program and get an actual job so i could i mean that was a job too but i meant a paying job mm. so i could you know um well, pay for life. I got a really cool apartment and, you know, somebody had to pay for it. 
So that's why I, I didn't go through. But before that happened, before I got the other job, we had an agreement, you know, where I had milestones, what I was supposed to develop, what I was supposed to deliver. And then um, I had an agreement with like Stockholm University where they're going to take me into their incubation program, which was going to refine the idea a bit more. And they were going to give me uh, a lot more cash than the 50,000 and then work on it a couple of more months, have a more usable unit out. And then they would give me like an actual investment and I could go to like Omni and all of these places. So at that stage, when you have something worth investing in, um, then you also have other alternatives. But right now it was really just um, proof of concept. That's what I was working yeah. on and it was taking too long. Yeah. Um, so that was a problem that I had at the time. But I mean, if you can get over it, sure. there's, um, there are a lot of options, a lot of opportunities yeah. out yeah. there. And that's and that's what that's what everybody needs to know. All the kids needs to know. All the people who are planning to be entrepreneur, planning to open up a business, planning but is is struggling with money don't know where to go like we've discussed this you can do it you can look it up you can go to see that you can go to uh, private companies private incubators there are a lot of incubators just yes you need there to are a lot of those yeah you accelerators go and yeah pitch and get it together get it on point so that they have no reason to deny you uh yeah it was uh i mean thanks for coming through and sharing all that all that experience of your life, mm -hmm. uh, the journeys, uh, the movement around the world, and and your story of how, you know, you wanted, you wanted to do some innovative stuff. Of course, you know, I'm I'm still there's still time. You know, you might come up with some other oh, beautiful plans I, for the um, future. I'm unemployed now, right? So I have plenty of time to come up with on. another. I'm already working on it. In fact, I have great. a deal with another incubator, actually Stockholm University again, ah, that's great. to start um, another program in September. But I'm kind of hoping to accomplish everything I'm supposed to get done yeah. uh, when I join them before I join them and that way I can skip a step and yeah. you know get money because yeah. <laughs> until yeah, that happens true. there's no cash coming <laughs> yeah. in but I hope I hope you succeed in whatever you do uh, you know keep sure keep rising and uh, keep shining and yeah keep at it it's gonna work out just keep at it put your head down keep at it and uh, everybody listening as well you know get behind it go get an idea think about it and get to it you know uh, thanks for listening Thanks for all the love you guys been showing on the podcast, on the YouTube channel. You know, keep showering us with the same blessings, love, and uh, we'll be back uh, with another episode shortly. Chopper, you want to say something before you go off? No, I'm good, bro. All right, then. Good See night. See you guys next time. Ciao. Ciao.